You still don't understand what you're dealing with, do you? Perfect organism. Its structural perfection is matched only by its hostility. You admire it. I admire its purity. A survivor. Clouded by conscience, remorse, or delusions of morality. I can't lie to you about your chances, but you have my sympathies. Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I'm Tristan. And I'm Greg. Uh, we may have a Bruce in the room, potentially. We may. He's being a little bit... Oh, he's coming back with some Lego. We're catching bad guys. Catching bad guys or aliens. Hey, quick, go up to bed. It's bed. It's like... Teddy. Teddy. Yeah, Teddy. Hey, um, hey, uh, Tristan, we're, do- we're doing Alien today. We are doing Alien. Yeah. I felt real bad because Bruce just came to say hello even even before that little appearance. We had a nice chat with Bruce and I felt really uncomfortable with my Zoom background right now because it's a highly sexual Giga picture. It, oh, it is too. You can't he tell immediately? He didn't bat an eyelid. Well, what's happening there? Yeah. Alien love. <laughs> alien love. Maybe that could be a button. We need a new button. Alien love. Maybe we should do a campaign. We should ask friends of the show. We've got a we've got one button we've that we never use, which is never gets used. We're going to replace it with something. Alien love would be one option. Alien love. Uh, uh, many options. Let us know. Leave a review. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe leave a review and tell us. And maybe it's just keep going again. Maybe that's the entry mechanic to to suggest keep, keep going. To suggest the vacant button, you have to write your submission in a review on Apple Podcasts. Come that's on, the, guys. that's how we do it. When was our last review? Actually, they've dropped off significantly. Um, yeah, a few months probably. Do we have any new listeners out there? If we're not reviewing, we're not growing. Mm, the algorithm. The reviews are the protein that builds the muscle fibers of the podcast. Yeah, you. Everybody has the the the, the micronutrients, but the macros is the is the, is the reviews. Exactly. We're That's over terrible. here. Sorry, I'm excellent. Terrible. I was slipping in and out myself. I don't blame you, Greg. We're, we're a couple of Hiddlestons over here. Um, so Alien. Alien. 1979. 1979. New Year. New Year. And you know what? This is Alien. Because we don't know. Smashing Pumpkin song, Tristan, called 1979. Oh, that's a blind spot for me. It's a good song, man. It's a really good song. It's a good song. I, and genuinely, yeah, Smashing Pumpkins are a blind spot for me. That that was I was not um, across that world at all at the time. Yeah, it was grungy. I was um, – so for me, Smashing Pumpkins – there was the song Bullets with Butterfly Wings. Do you know that song? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. I thought this might be the case, so this is playing out as I expected. Bullets 
with butterfly wings. The world is a vampire. This song, when I was a kid, I didn't know who sung it or what it was called, but I used to hear it occasionally on the radio. And it blew my mind. In fact, I'm going to go and put it on my running workout playlist after this. Really? Man, this song. I mean, it's quite mellow. Does it build? Wait for it. Oh, okay. Do you know this song? You should do it. It's a big yeah, song. Yeah, I know this song. I know this song. Big song. It looks like it's directed by Ridley Scott. Might be. I feel like that's a song. It was probably in a lot of movies at the time. It, it takes me back. It took a to while a place for that, that song I'm not to sure. be in yeah, things. Yeah. But that song was like on the radio and I, I didn't know who sung it. I feel like it's probably in a bad Katie Holmes movie or something. Like um, Teaching Mrs. Please, Tingle or something. Probably. No, no, no. But in terms of like them trying to, to take the the – the uh, equity of the song and make mm, their movie seem yeah. cool. And make them tingle, uh, as it were. <laughs> wow. Billy. So Billy Corgan, he's an interesting guy. Yeah. Like he's he was sort of the front man of one of the most kind of emo-y sort of bands of, I guess, the 90s. Yeah, he hates he's, there's a lot more. Yeah, he smashes them. There's, um, <laughs> <laughs> there's heaps more to him. He's, he's layered like a pumpkin. Oh, we like layers. Wrapped in an onion. <laughs> like a pumpkin. <laughs> So he <laughs> apparently, like, so he's like the most emo sort of muso you could imagine. The, wait, this song, the, the, the link here is the, the song was called 1979. But it didn't That's come it. out then. Okay, fair it enough. It didn't come out then. Because you know what? We weren't alive in 79, so we can't do a member berry. So Correct. let's do a lateral connection or literal connection, as it were. Yeah, I've gone literal, lateral, you, you name it, yeah. trell. Um, and I the just thought it would be nice well. to just have a, a little, you know, a little dip the toe into the world of Billy Corgan. Mm. I did not know Tristan, and you, I'm assuming at this point that you didn't. He <laughs> not only is this sort of emo-y guitar lead man with a sort of soft but painful voice, he mm. um, he was like mad into pro wrestling. Like he 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 founded uh, the Resistance Pro Wrestling, um, which was it formed. And one of the main sort of not WWF, but like an equivalent almost of pro wrestling circuits, non total nonstop action wrestling or something. I don't know. TNA. Right. Something. TNA, love TNA. At high school he was like he's apparently he's a unit. And at high school he like he played really high level football and, and all these sort of jock things, which is a lovely little juxtaposition from how we know him. Um, Aren't we all walking paradoxes, paradoxi? I love when these mm-hmm. people in the public eye Shatter stereotypes. That's I'm oh, about me too. this. We live for that, yeah. don't we? That's we live for that. On the yeah. show here. Yeah. So I won't go any deeper than that, but um, Billy Corgan. Interesting fella. Smashing Pumpkins. I was, I was pretty into Smashing Pumpkins, to be honest. My Siamese Dream and Melancholy, they were they were, mm. yeah, they were pretty big albums for me. But, but those two songs in particular. Well, the film connection, just very, very briefly, if I may. Mm. Um, yes. He has done a number of soundtrack pieces from films such as Ransom and Stigmata right through to Any Given Sunday uh, and When a Man Falls in the Forest. Oh, I like it. Not a film I've heard of. I've not heard of most of these things. Mm-hmm. I found it even a, a different tighter connection. Oh, go on. This is real time. We're like investigative uh-huh. journalists here with Google. 
Do your own research, guys. So in the 80s, Billy made a short movie with his friends called Alien 1 slash 2, Alien Half. Alien Love. In the flick, which was inspired by Ridley Scott's Alien, the boys play astronauts who travel to a distant planet only to be attacked by an alien, which was portrayed by a plush Tasmanian devil. Um, that they, they defeat him with a pink hairdryer gun. So there you go. Big fan of the film Alien, as it turns out. That's a good build. Good look at you. Well, honestly... You know what? Honestly, it was what I said. It looks like that video clip was directed by Ridley Scott. I I felt like they I got to investigate that because there must be some kind of connection. Because even at the very least, he's a big fan. Because it looked like he's on that. It looked. It looked. I tell you, who's a fan of this movie, and we'll probably get into it. Everyone. Yeah, damn right. This <laughs> film carries some cash. Nineteen seventy nine, man. Name of a song that Greg liked, and name of a year. Mm-hmm. That came just before the eighties and was full of big movies. Yeah, right before the eighties, <laughs> just what before, like the one of the last years before the eighties um, took over, so to speak, as it were, quite literally. Um, the year of Moonraker, love it. The year of Rocky Two, the the year of Alien, the year of Star Trek, the motion picture, the year of Kramer versus Kramer, which I remember seeing in a in a TV guide as a child thinking it might be somewhat Seinfeld related and being grossly mm-hmm. disappointed. Spoiler. The year of Mad Max, the year of 1941. <laughs> Never saw it, but that's famously a flop. We should do that. Is it? Yeah. You, have you seen it? I the remember Spielberg. when I was in the in the 90s, something came out 1942 or 1492. Oh, Maybe no, I'm just getting, getting okay, okay. I'm muddling the water. <laughs> so let's move on and I'll come back to that when I can. <laughs> Amityville Horror, Apocalypse Now. These are all big movies, like legitimately Whoa. a big year. We've done a few 70s movies now and, and typically we look at these things, we look at these top ten. And sorry, they, those are all top ten. The Muppet movie was number ten. That rounds out the ten. Uh, usually we look at a top ten in the 70s and we're like, don't they look different to, to today's top tens? And at, at first glance I thought the same looking at this year until I realised Moonraker, Bond, franchise, Rocky Two, Rocky, franchise, Alien, would go on to be franchise, Star Trek, franchise, Mad Max, franchise, Apocalypse, no, okay, not Apocalypse now. Uh, maybe that's it. But it's interesting. As the more things change, the more they say the same. Like you've got a franchise-fueled top ten. Um, Fascinating. In, similar in an to era we today. don't associate with franchises, right? Yeah. And some of them didn't know they were franchises yet, to be fair. Like Rocky, even though it's the second one, like, you know, he doesn't have a robot butler yet, so... Yeah, it's interesting. Mm. The first Star Trek motion picture, I don't know. In any case, um, a big year for movies and and wouldn't you know it, the film we're talking about today came in at number three. That film is called Alien. Seventy-nine budget of eleven million dollars, gross of one hundred eighty-four point seven million. Big return. Hey, third biggest film of the year. What do you expect? Command. What was what was one and two? Sorry, uh, Moonraker and Rocky Two. Wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 In that order. In that order. Bond. Bond was number one. I wonder how many Bonds were the number one film of the year around That's the world. A great question. We got to do more Bonds, hey. 
There's a lot of yeah, them. Yeah, we do. We do. Uh, there's no other way around it. We do. And I haven't seen a lot of them. Moonraker's a good Bond. Moonraker, do you know how I remember that Bond? It's when Jaws, you know, the big dude with the teeth, he ends up oh, staying. Yeah. He falls in love. How oh, does he become a good guy? It. Well, yeah. He saves, he saves Roger, a.k.a. James. Oh, a.k.a. Jimmy. Double Seven. A.k.a. Double Seven. Actually, I can't do a Roger Moore. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> let's keep let's keep moving. Seven. Um, you've got a you've got a duty to our listeners, Tristan, to keep me moving when I'm <laughs> not moving. Yeah, but I've had a couple of beers and I slept my guard down, so I'm sitting here ready to yet ready to yes end. I was messaging Tristan from lunch, going, "Hey, I hope uh, I hope you've started your beers." <laughs> it's all about levels. We've got to be on the same level, you see. Um, hey, what about Rotten Tomatoes? Good question. So critic score quite high, 98%. Oh, yeah? Audience score also quite high, 94%. Oh, we're what dealing with some material there? tonight, Tristan. <laughs> we really are. We've been Let's spoiled acknowledge. lately. We've done some good movies. Yeah, I like doing good movies. I um, I think I said to I you earlier in the movies. week. I like doing bad movies too, but I think we've been spoiled. I think because also on the side I've been doing my John Carpenter thing and – and just I've really come to realise, especially with doing movies like this where we were, we were chatting earlier in the week about putting your phone down. We, we obviously take notes when we watch these movies, but sometimes when a movie is at the pace of this film where you really need to be absorbed and, and you know, there's no dialogue for the first little bit really, sometimes it's better to put the phone down. And there's almost, there's almost some therapeutic benefit to, to switching off and watching a good movie for a couple of hours. I think the future of films, if I was in film marketing, um, I would be sort of finding this swim lane of, of wellness. Yeah. There's, there's something yeah, meditative yeah. about watching a good movie, doing anything Man. for an hour and a half. We don't do many things like that anymore. Oh, we we jump from very, screen to screen. It's a very good point and And, I mean, Astute doesn't really cover it. It's very astute on your part. It's all we got. Thanks, Frank. Really? Yeah. So Man, there you have it. It's got to, someone's got to build on that. So we've obviously got a bunch of friends in film marketing. Um, yeah, through get around Paramount it. and through obviously the, the cinema outlets themselves with lots of friends at Val Morgan. Yeah. Guys, if you're listening, have a wrap your ears around what Tristan's laying down. To have your mindset on one thing for 90 minutes is a treat that is not afforded in any other part of your life at this point. Leave your phones at the door. When's the last time you walked in an elevator and didn't take out your phone? Where we got all these micro bits of content penetrating our brain like a face hugger and impregnating us with ADD that bursts oh, out of your chest. Oh, my goodness. You've gone hard early. This is... Yeah, sorry. You're out so of the I'm gates. Up no, all no, my I'm, material. I'm, it's, it's amazing. I just hope there's more in the tank. There's nothing in the tank. This That's so this good. Is... <laughs> well, get, it, get it out early. People listen for 12 minutes anyway. So, <laughs> uh, Was this a big movie for you, Greg? Is it, no. Yeah, right. Okay. This was not a big movie for me. The whole Alien What about the franchise? franchise? Oh, okay. Yep. No. You're more of a predator man? Well, yeah. It, not that those are the I, two choices, but I, yeah. I was, I, you know, I think... I think I wasn't a big fan of dark sort of sci-fi films I, when I was a yeah. kid. I was into martial arts. 
and I was into explosions in in yeah, this sort of genre. I like comedy here. and yeah. whatever else, but I didn't like dark sort of slow films and you know, yeah. this probably falls into that category. And the lap pack probably got you into Predator, right? It's a, Correct. Uh, so different. Yeah, very muscles and, you know, I'm just yeah. testosterone-charged kid. And I think the first time I watched this was like in, definitely in the last decade. So in my, right. in my 30s, I, I think I saw this for the first time. And oh, I, right. I was on a plane and I can't tell you the flight I was on, I don't remember, but I watched it. I turned it on on a, on a whim on a flight yeah. once, probably pretty. I think it was a big flight. It might have been to Europe, like because I was deep in a flight. Yeah, I was like, I'll just give this a go. May have had a couple of vowels. May have had a couple of little, those little bottles of wine they give you. Um, yeah, and I Good started stuff. it, and I was like, whoa, hang on, I've missed something <laughs> significant yeah. here. But that's and that's a blo- joy in itself. Away. How good is it oh, to yeah. see something it you was, haven't seen, and it's amazing. Correct. So I, I was I, I wasn't an alien man. Was yeah. Super late to the party. I think I'd seen t- Aliens, which is cool. Yeah. And we will, we can maybe have a quick little chat about versus. Well, we should do that another pod, really. Um, yeah. Because that's it's a significant sequel. But yeah, it was a late viewing, and I was blown away, and I I loved it. Um, but it, not as a kid, like it, this this sort of material and Sigourney fighting off aliens was just not my jam as a kid. Yeah. How about you? Um, similar to a degree, it wasn't huge for me. I think part of it is probably also that it's 1979. So like, I guess maybe the initial mm-hmm. wave of just missed us. And then when by did the three time, come out? Do you know? Uh, I think it was nineties cause that was Fincher and it was mm. poorly received. So I think like by that point, it might've just come across to us maybe as like, uh, just some some franchise about an alien like doesn't sound that exciting, mm-hmm. but I definitely I definitely watched it in, in ninety two. I just double checked. Right, Aliens was eighty six and three was ninety two, and Resurrection ninety seven, and then the rest. Jeez, they're all spread out pretty evenly and like significant Decent gaps years between. Yeah, they didn't like just. It's like they thought about it. They didn't just go. Yeah. Yeah. So I um uh wasn't a huge film, but you know, film student days definitely in the mix. But I feel like I've probably seen it once or twice max. I remember watching it with my mum at some okay. point. I don't know if that was a family thing yeah, or right. just film student days kind of vibe, and and the chest bursting scene being quite a moment. Uh-huh. But also, like, I can't remember if they talk about this in the movie or not, but. One thing I remember thinking at the time, which has always stuck with me, was like, how, how does he grow so big without eating anything? Because, you know, he comes out of the chest and then the next scene he's huge. That's mm-hmm. one of the only things I remember. Because I got all the cast mixed up. When I thought about this movie, I, I thought you had Michael Bean and all those guys and Lance yeah. Erickson and all that. But you don't, yep. you don't have any of those guys. you got all these people that I didn't never realise were ever young. We'll get into that. And then more recently, I've been a big fan of um, of Ridley coming back and doing Prometheus and Alien Covenant, which mm-hmm. I have some thoughts on later. But I, those those are not necessarily fan favorites. But I, I've, I dig them. I dig them. But but more on that later. Why don't I get into the origin story? Yeah, let's do it. Origin story. So we we've got a bit to work with here, right? This is this is folks listening yeah. at home. If you're listening at home or in your yeah. car, we're going to be ducking and weaving through many yeah. names that we enjoy through as we go through this 
wonderful tale. So could I ask you from yeah. the top, do you mind giving us just sort of a couple of the big names at the top so when we go through this we know who they are? Is that, a, is that okay? Okay. Dan O'Bannon. There it is. Ronald Shusset. Mm-hmm. Or Shusay. Shusay, I don't know. Um, if you recall from our Total Recall episode, they wrote Total Recall. They adapted it obviously from a Philip K. Dick short story. But mm-hmm. uh, they wrote a lot of it, you know, it was a very short story. They invented a lot of what we saw in the movie. John Carpenter, sort of, not really. Um, Dan O'Bannon worked with John Carpenter. Who else we got there? We got wow. Giger in there. Who, I've been calling him HR Geiger this whole time, but it's HR Giger. We'll get to that. Big names. Uh, Big what names. other names we've okay. got in here? The film Dune is part of the mix here. Um, there's so many things. There's many things, but uh, why don't I why don't I uh, stitch some of these names together? So first yeah, get up, him into it. I've thrown you a the, bit of a curveball there. That's all right. A little, a little taster of some of the names you're about to hear. Writer yeah. Dan O'Bannon. He had just worked with uh, John Carpenter on a film called Dark Star, a film and, that he and describes and Paulie Shaw, a, a film he describes as being. Um, you know, they were in film school at the time, and it was going to be the world's best student film, but then they got so big with it that it actually became a theatrically released film and and became the worst theatrically released film. But oh. um, it was it was kind of a comedy, a spoof of 2001, but there was an alien in it that I believe was a spray-painted beach ball. I haven't seen it despite my John Carpenter deep dive recently. Okay. But but O'Bannon was like, I want to do something kind of like this but more serious. So it's like something about an alien that's like not a comedy though. Like I want to go like dark and gritty. Mm. And um, and he, he kind of cracked uh, maybe the first act. He was like I, I, the, the opening that we see in the movie is kind of what he cracked first but then kind of got stuck. Meanwhile, his mate Ronald Shusset secures the rights to a little short story called We'll Remember It For You Wholesale. Oh, how do we know that? Yeah, the short story that inspired Total Recall gets you asked to Mars. Any love. Considered that a divorce. Considered a divorce. Now these two get to talking and um, there's a little bit of that, uh, you know, I'll help you with that, you help me with this. They're both kind of stuck because, again, very short story that needs to be adapted and, and O'Bannon on this script stuck on the first act they look at these two things and they say, okay, let's do Alien first because Total Recall is it's going to be a big budget thing. We're, we're kind of nobodies at this point. Uh-huh. Uh, let's focus on that. And so they, they kind of start but kind of uh, detour a filmmaker by the name of Alejandro Jodorowsky, which I may or may not be pronouncing correctly, was planning to make a, a, a film based on Dune. Very topical because that's out now. Yeah. The new one. Yeah, right. And he'd seen Dark Star and was a big fan of um, both the story work that Dan O'Bannon had done but apparently he also did special effects on that. And he's like, come join my movie Dune. It's going to be wonderful. Come Dune. to Paris. Come to Paris and let's make this shit. So he went to Paris. He gets completely Gay sidetracked. He went to Gay Paris to make Dune and, and this guy – Alejandro, uh, I don't know if it's a French. Oh, he's not French though. I think he's Argentinian or something. But anyway, he um, he's brought in this group of artists to help design like the visuals of what does this world look like, the world of Dune. And and amongst this group is Chris Foss and another artist named 
Hans Rudy Giger. Okay. Yes, Mr. Otherwise known as Geiger for up until this point in my life that I've been referring to him as. Who is uh, Grace's my Zoom background right now with some very erotic alien artwork? Alien love. So can you, with, with that background, is that, what's going on beyond your right shoulder? Yeah. So what yeah. is that? Uh, but this alien seems to be a lady. But what's going in her? Is there something going up her back? Side there? Oh, yeah, probably. It's all very phallic. And this guy is an interesting mm. fellow, this Giga. So apparently when he first met O'Bannon, he offered him some opium straight off the bat, pulled out a little bit of uh, aluminium foil and said, hey, you want some opium? Yeah. He's like, nah, nah, I'm good. Uh, an interesting character, needless to say. Uh, six months later, Dune crashes and never gets made. Well, eventually mm. gets made twice, two more times, but... This version never gets made. This was this was the crash June. That was the crash yeah, one. Yeah, okay. Uh, Refer to that, right? Yeah. Well, and then um, David Lynch made one that got made oh. and then crashed, and now yeah. there's a new one that maybe is good. I don't know. I haven't seen it. Um, so he goes back and he gets back with old uh, his old mate Ronald, and 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 they they go back to this script and they start writing this thing. And I've got a little clip here. There's a great making of on YouTube. Uh, I've got a little clip here of them talking, both of these guys talking about it. The first guy is Dan, the second guy is Ronald. And they sound like some great couple of great fellas. And I just love mm. this little anecdote of coming up with the, the chest-busting idea. I went back to storage, got my typewriter out, took it over to Ronnie. She says, living room, and wrote it up. Over the days and nights of the next three months, Ron keeping me alive by feeding me hot dogs. Dan said, somehow the monster has to get on board the ship in a way that will amaze everybody. And so I wake up in the middle of the night and I said, Dan, I have an idea. And he said, what? And I said, the monster screws one of the people. He says, what? What are you talking about? I said, he jumps in his face, plants a tube down him, inserts his seat in him, and later it comes bursting out of his stomach. And Dan goes, oh, my God, that's the most amazing thing I've ever heard. Nobody's ever seen anything like that. And we just sat up all night. And we wrote, and in three weeks, we had what I would say, which is 85% of the plot, the structure. We didn't write the screenplay right there of what you saw became Alien, 85%. They seem like sweet guys. Don't they? I love when it's like the guy that wrote Breaking Bad, when these really like dorky sweet guys write this horrible dark stuff. It's so funny. (laughs) Yeah. And at this point, I think... uh, it's, it didn't even have a name. It keeps going around. It was like first it was called Memory, then it was called Star Beast, and then eventually they were like, oh, ah, it's right there on the right, page. Right, 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 a- right. Alien, alien. So Memory, the, sorry, just interrupt. The, mm. There's a documentary on, if you're in Australia, there's a documentary on Stan or anywhere else in the world. It's called Memory and it's quite a in-depth. Oh, that's why it's called Memory. That's why it's we called Memory. We both watched it. Yeah. It's, um, Little left field. It's at the beginning. It, it starts in a strange direction. You think you're watching the wrong thing, but then after that, if you're if you're into this film, you should definitely watch it. It's got some good context setting around the monsters and aliens of the day, I where this it. fits in. Yeah, it was pretty good. And, and then another whole making of on um, YouTube is pretty good too. It goes more into the Geiger stuff, Giga stuff a bit more, which is very interesting. Anyway, they, they shop this thing around. They crack it. They're like, obviously, we've got the chest burst. You got all that, yada yada yada. Fill in the gaps. We got a script. We got we got something here. This is pretty. This is something. So, where do you go from there? You shop it around, and 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 the appetite was low. But they took it to Roger Corman's company. Now, Roger Corman, if you recall, 
king of king of the scrappy B movies in the early days, like the original um, Little Shop of Horrors, was just him saying if he could make a film in two days made out of leftover film sets. Like he was a he he was his own kind of genre of guy. That's and quite Rodriguez esque in a in a in a way, isn't it? Yeah, the one man film crew hustle kind of thing, and um, uh, you know a lot of. I think maybe even the James Camerons of the world. I can't remember. A, lo- a lot of big filmmakers kind of came up in his shadow, in under his guide of scrappy filmmaking. But um, his company said yes, and so with all of that background in mind, you start to think of a very different film here. What's the scrappy version of Alien look like? Mm-hmm. And you may be wondering, is that the version we saw? And it was not. So while he, they initially said yes, they never actually signed. And in the meantime, before they got to signing, a mutual friend got it to a filmmaker named Walter Hill. Okay. We mentioned but two weeks ago on the Heat episode, if you remember, Michael Mann offered his original script Heat to his friend Walter Hill Damn to it. direct and he said no. I don't remember this. And he said yes here. So Walter Hill had just created a, uh, a production company with uh, a few mates and um, – they liked this. They were in. They're like, okay, this sounds good. However, they uh, wanted to rewrite it. I don't know the specifics too much on what they rewrote, but old Dan and Ronald were not too happy about it. The one area that they kind of give some credit to these guys in their rewrites was the creation of Ash the Robot. So that was not in the original script. Okay, But other than that... Uh, Dan O'Bannon thought this was all a very political move to remove his writing credits and give themselves writing credits. Okay. Because they were changing names and shit. They were, just, they were changing stuff like just to change it, it seems, just to be able to go, I changed it enough, now it's my script. Uh, we've seen this before. Oh, yeah. Poor old Last Action Hero and, and all those yeah, guys. Go on, sorry, mate. Uh, so they did eight different drafts uh, and they got worse, they say, apparently I've never read them myself. And um, they eventually handed into Fox. So this production company was affiliated with Fox, and Fox was like, "Nah, not interested." Until <laughs> little film comes out called Star Wars. Everyone wants to make space movies. Okay. Space is hot. Space is hot right now, man. What's the only space movie that Fox had on their desk? Alien. So it's green lit. Mm. It's green lit. It's a different take. Yeah. It's slightly different to a Star Wars. It's not a space opera. It's not a space opera. It's more of a space emo. Mm. Space space pumpkin, if you will. Fox did ask Walter Hill to direct and he was like, nah, I don't know much about this guy, but he seems to say no to good movies. Mm. <laughs> he did 48 Hours, though. Okay. So I guess that's did he do another 48 Hours? Uh, probably. I believe he did. I'm fairly sure he did. Meanwhile, a young whippersnapper is rising up the ranks. He just made his film debut called The Duelists. Duelists. And, um, you know, he'd previously done some advertising and that kind of thing. He'd done a big ad for Chanel Number no. 5. Mm-hmm. But this gang we're talking about here were impressed with his directorial debut, The Duelists, and they offer him the gig. This is none other than a young Sir Ridley Scott. I don't know if he's a sir, but to me <laughs> he certainly is. Now this guy, he's a special human and we'll talk more about him. He is he's, uh, he's pretty special, isn't he? 
he's a strange unit in many ways. I don't love all of his films, but I definitely love the you know the fact that he's out there. I respect that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But <laughs> he is a very uh, visual person, as you may guess from from some of his pictures. And so he's the kind of guy, a bit like a James Cameron type, who goes in and draws his own storyboards. And I think what's interesting about that is, you know, in many ways storyboards serve a purpose. Uh, everyone has, well, most people do some sort of storyboards. Often it's to prepare what the shots are. But these guys, well, this guy in particular, he starts, he's fucking drawing the spacesuits. He's drawing like the environment. He's getting very into it. Yeah, it's part of the process. He's like, what's this world that I'm building? And I, I, I got a neat little clip of him talking about that here. I was steeped in heavy metal comics of those in the particular time, like Metal Hurlant and, and uh, you know, a lot of Mobius' stuff. Um, and I was very impressed by that. And I was just, at that, in those days, trying to wonder how do I apply this to movies, you know? Uh, how do I apply this kind of really fresh and beautifully visual thinking to film? And here it was. You need a hook when you're starting something. And my hook was my boards. I drew the boards, drew the corridors, drew the spacesuits. But when you're drawing boards and corridors and spacesuits, you're also sucking yourself into story. Because I'm literally doing, yeah. you know, chapter by chapter, yeah. scene by scene. You get ideas, yeah. there's technological possibilities. And when that first idea comes, I tend to go with it and follow it. I love that. It's uh, just kind of in there, yes, ending. Like, if this is true, what else is true? Then what does that look like? Then what does that do? And a big gaping hole in this origin story that I failed to mention here is, you know, I, I planted the seed earlier that Dan O'Bannon met all those artists. Well, guess who's back? All those artists to help design this shit. So Giga's back. The gigs. Uh, Ron Cobb is back. And Chris Foss is there. Chris Foss notably uh, did the illustrations for The Joy of Sex. I remember that. Mm, best-selling book. Yeah. And they all kind of had different different areas of focus. Chris Foss and, and Ron Cobb I think were more – I think Rod, Ron Cobb specifically was a bit more technical and so a lot of the um, uh, the main ship we see – what's this ship called? I fucking forget. Nostromo. Nostromo. The Nostromo, especially the interiors, he was – pretty fucking great at like building something that looks real and lived in and functional and like engineered. That was kind of his thing. It was also quite – well, it was a balance, wasn't it? Like because it had all that but it also had the – you know, that little control room that – is it Scarab that's in the control room and it's just like all the little lights – yeah. It's a bit, you know. But it look it looks like they all have functions. Like it all feels very like, oh, of course that makes that feels like it makes sense even though I don't understand what anything does. And then you got the otherworldly Giga stuff that's all the alien built it's shit. Yeah. <laughs> that weird biomechanical, almost insect like, uh wonderful, horrible things. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> uh, but man, it's so fucking good. I think um like this has come up before maybe, uh, yeah, Fifth Element, how he brought in the Mobius guy and uh, there's such a, it's such an important thing to bring in these interesting flavours, right? Yeah. To not just have generic, you know, MCU, CGI goop. Like oh. there's actual flavour here yeah. that hits the palate. It's disturbing. It's unusual. Mm-hmm. And it's so much, I mean, that whole, the whole, this whole movie is, the Giga stuff, really. Like when you think of this movie, you're thinking of this crazy man's artwork. So cool. Mm. So cool. Mm. Oh, 
Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, Giga, uh, he he removes a lot of the penises, I guess, and then the butt you plugs. End up with the alien. Yeah, and bish bash bosh, you got yourself a movie. Should I play the trailer? If you're hearing this, it's because we couldn't find another trailer that had any kind of podcast-friendly voiceover. So in that case, you probably didn't hear a trailer, which just puts more pressure on Greg to to recap the plot. Yeah. Would you be so kind, Greg? I would. I would. Um, Mm. Tristan, uh, it's a bit of a, you know, on-the-surface scenario here. Yeah. Uh, on the surface, it's a it's a cat and mouse situation. It's a it's an alien and cat situation. That too, yeah. Um, I'm just going to give a really high level plot idea and then just share a couple of thoughts about what it really means. And I'm going to take this straight from Wiki because I thought Wiki had a lovely plot summary here. I'm not going to do the whole thing. I'm just going to give a bit okay. of the opener. Um, mm-hmm. So this is this is direct from our good friends at Wiki. Uh, the commercial space tug. Uh, have you ever had a space tug? I think I had one of those once. Mm, nice. Any nice. <laughs> The commercial space tug Nostromo is returning to Earth with a seven-member crew uh, in stasis. I'm not clear on what that means. Anyway. You got Captain Dallas, Executive Officer Kane. You got Warrant Officer Ripley, Navigator Lambert, Science Officer Ash, and two engineers Parker and Brett. Now detecting a transmission from a nearby moon, the ship's computer, which they call Mother. So Mother, mother is basically the, you know, the hell of the situation. Yeah. Awakens the crew. Uh, per company policy requiring any potential distress signal to be investigated, so they've basically been told there's a distress signal. It's off course, but we've got to go check it out. A couple of the guys are like, nah, I'm not getting paid for that. I'm working on a I'm, a, I'm a space tugman. Yeah. And they're like, hey, bro, you've read the rules. If we don't go, you don't get paid. We've got to go. It's a bit weird. It's a bit weird. Yeah. And there's a bit of tension. And they land on a moon um, despite these uh, engineers or, the, you know, the sort of the toolmen not really being into it. Mm. And on the way in, they have a bit of a crash not a crash landing. It's not good. They engineers stay on board. They're fixing it. A few of the guys go investigating. And it's a bit weird. It's, it's not – it's alien-ish. It's, it's, it's alien love out there. Alien love. They find an old ship. This button's paying for itself. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's the, <laughs> Exactly. Anyway, there's all these, uh, they're cruising around, there's these eggs there, there's little life forms in them. Ipso facto, one of them jumps onto one of their faces. Uh, They're trying to get back on board. Ripley's saying, no, mate, there's a rule. You can't get back on board. You'll compromise the ship. It's that classic dynamic. Wear a mask. Wear a mask. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, they get led on by Ash, who's the the scienceman of the boat ship thing yeah and from there on they have a battle with an alien so that's the sort of surface the surface material here but 
Tristan Alien addresses issues and themes of a higher order, pun intended. Yeah, okay. And it is arguably a succinct commentary on the human condition. Okay. Birth, growth, emotion, aspiration, conflict, morality. But it's not only the human condition at play here. Alien life forms, and indeed androids, are weaved into this narrative with each forms of life on equal footing. Yeah, okay. Each character different and yet very much the same. Interesting. The human condition is unpacked and examined in all its forms and shapes, be human and otherwise. Yeah. And we're left with a roller coaster of uh, cat and mouse and alien and cat. It's not much love in this movie. There's, there's, this is not a, this is not a love story. There's alien there's love. Alien love. There's lots of penetration. Alien love. There is penetration. Yeah. Man, it's a sexual alien, isn't it? Well, yeah, and they say that that's a big part of what we're talking about here. It's the horror comes from the 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 invasion of purple pers- purple. Personal space, the the penetration—it's all very phallic. Personal, it's pers- it's, yeah. it's it's rape, and it's it's kind of gender reversal where it's uh, all the men die first. And so I don't know. There's all this interesting commentary from a gender point of view and from a, a sexual um, horror point of view. That's quite interesting that I'm unqualified to talk about, so I might leave that there as just an interesting little nugget to Google. But um, there's a bit to work with here, isn't there? Yeah. And, and and interesting, your take on it is interesting, Greg. Because I don't, have you seen Prometheus and Alien Covenant? Not properly. It's interesting because those themes are really what those two movies explore, and those are the first two movies where Ridley Scott's back, and he's writing these things with other writers. But apparently, the way he writes oh, right. is he dictates, and the writers write it down. But but like uh, there there's essentially, for lack of a better word, prequels. But they're not really direct prequels. In a, in a modern era, we would call them, you know, in, existing in the same cinematic universe, perhaps, because Prometheus, for example, rather than telling you an origin story of the alien, it goes into the origin story of human life. Yeah. Okay. And it, it goes into what does it mean to be human? What is religion? Gods and monsters and all this kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, this is it is all human. Con- I, oh, okay, I didn't know that. So it's interesting that because I didn't necessarily pick up that, that those seeds are planted in this, but obviously Ridley uh, did, obviously Greg Carney did. So that is it, it is interesting. Interesting. That's I went straight there because yeah. wow. I think the reason I did, I'm just, okay, I haven't thought about this, but I think the reason I did is because you've got this group of characters yeah and there's not much else there's you know you, you can't have a more restricted environment than a yeah. ship or a vessel yeah and they're all kind of got their own agendas they've all got their own views on how things need to be done yeah and they're all quite ordinary too it's not so heightened yep. in terms of their they're just truckies basically they're space, one dimensional space like they're all one-dimensional, and and you know there's a there's an android in there. You don't even know he's an android until he starts squirting out milk. Milk. You know, a, a, a creamy robot is pretty off unsettling. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was so good though. I don't like milk at the best of times, but um, was oh, it? Oh, of course. They put um, it was milk, milk, caviar, and was something. It? Caviar. That feels milk, caviar, and pasta. <laughs> 
Milk caviar and pasta sounds delicious. The, some of the some of the shit they were using, they were very practical with some of this shit. And you know when they flip over the face hugger, there's like oysters and a liver in there, like all actual just shit. In the egg, there's <laughs> no, tripe. This, They've stretched tripe over the. Oh, bleh. this is all my favorite things. It's a smelly set. You haven't apparently. said anything that I don't want to eat. <laughs> Wait, these are all. Yeah, you're like, all right, I'm listening. Are we at Yumcha right now? This sounds good. I'm in, I'm in. Uh, wait, is that racist that I said yumcha? No. You can have tripe at yumcha. Yeah, I think tripe's probably more Italian typically. Oh, I actually have, having said that, there's a, um, uh, if you're in Sydney, there's a place called Happy Chef down in, um, down in Chinatown, mm. market, and they do these um, sort of noodle soups and the best one is like a, it's got like a bra- braised slow-cooked beef and tripe. Uh, it'll change your life. Yeah, they definitely have it at I've, – I've been with people that have ordered it and I haven't been game. But the Italians tripe. Yeah. In in Florence you get those those lamb, lambre, lambredetto or something and they right. put it like this – it's like a tomatoey sauce stew with tripe and they put it on a bread a crusty bread roll. Oh, Interesting. About it. What are we talking about? A gabagoo. <laughs> <laughs> I thoroughly enjoy your Tony. Uh, how was the rewatch for you, Greg? Oh, man, it was really good. Like, I, Look, as I said, I saw this film for the first time, uh, let's say five years ago. Let's call it even five. Yeah. Wow. wow. And so I knew it was good. It, it's a, I watched the first 20 minutes um, and then I realised I hadn't paid enough attention. I hadn't been like immersed enough. So I, re-watch, yeah. I, I would rewatch the whole thing to give it. And I said to you during the week, I was like, this is, you got to watch this in a, in a single sitting because it's. Yeah. It's a race. The tension. Oh man, it's this is a, this thing is crafted, man. The attention to detail. I mean, all the stuff we <sighs> kind of alluded to in the origin story, but it's just the execution of all those things. It's just mm-hmm. fucking so so fully formed. Yeah, it's like you you sort of witnessing something. You know, there's probably uh, his second movie, by the way. It, like, you're sort of experiencing something bigger, you know. There's so yeah. much thought, you know, and watching that documentary memory and seeing the genesis of these ideas of these creatures from O'Bannon when he was a kid, yeah. sketching these aliens and, and, and these, you know, seeds of ideas and watching them come together in this film, it's just like it's there's a lot going on It's and it's pulled together so well. It's it, the, the performances are perfect, like it's so low-key. The characters are... It's quite minimalist in many ways. You know, you don't, yeah. you don't know much about these people. You're with them for a, a period of, you know, a couple of days, if, if that. Is it that? It's not even that, is it? It's like a – It's pretty What's quick. the time? How long is this? What? I don't know. Where are they? Who? Yeah, like – So, uh, yeah, I think this film is like it's – it's all time. It's an all-time film, Tristan. I got, I got to say this without uh, – I don't want to set any expectations necessarily, but I think if you like this movie, man, you're going to be in for a treat with The Thing. Yeah, okay. Okay, so you were watching this. Tristan, just to recap the viewers, you've been on a John Carpenter binge of late. Yeah, because they're doing it on a blank check, which is a very good podcast. And uh, I called us the viewers. Sorry, that you, you, you're listeners right now. Yeah, you're well, they might be looking at their viewing. phone as well sometimes. Hopefully you're looking at the road or whatever else you <laughs> need to be. Because um, uh, John Carpenter has been a, blank spot for, uh, 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 a, a blind spot for me overall 
we've we've done a little bit of him on the pod and I realised, wow, I love this guy and I haven't seen any of his movies. Blank check are doing it, so I'm watching all of them. And yeah, and 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 yeah. and in watching the thing, it's become top five film of all time for me. And not to, uh, not to say that these I don't want to compare these two as being like they're the same thing or anything, but there's definitely overlap in in some of the things you're liking about this movie. You will also like about that. They're coming from the same place. Would that be a, a blunt a blunt? Uh... On the surface, they're quite similar. Um, I would argue there's important differences, but. I think it's not a leap to say that if you like this, you will like that. Man, I need to watch that pretty yeah. soon. Hey, what's it on? What's it on? Is there something um, I can catch it on? I think it was on Stan, unless I rented it. I can't remember. But it's worth a rental. It's worth a, I mean, it's fucking, it's, it's the thing, man. It's one of the greatest movies of all time. As is this. Oh, this is up it. there too. And, and this is not the thing podcast. We'll get to that. And again, maybe I don't want to, it's not about comparing this to that. This is its own thing and they're both amazing movies. Um, but that did come to mind. I watched it recently as I'm watching this. But in terms of my rewatch, mm-hmm. I um, I thought it was very good, Greg. Very good. <laughs> I realized as I'm watching good. it, I, I was waiting for um, Lance Henriksen to show up, and instead, it's all these young versions of actors I only know as old people in in the movie. <laughs> yeah, except Bill for, Bill Bo Baggins is in there, except for Ripley, of course. But even like John Hurt, I didn't know I knew him and he, yeah. I've never seen him young. I mean, I have. I've seen this before but I didn't know who he was then and he almost looks like, you know, he could have been cast in Skins or something. He's so young. Yeah, he's got a – He's got something to him. He's got yeah, some energy there that I is, quite like. He's pretty – yeah, he's passed now, hasn't he? He died a couple of years ago, hasn't he? Yeah, pretty much uh-huh. everyone except for Ripley at this point maybe and the yeah, main right. guy. Okay. But, man, what a fucking good movie. And I think, um, uh, I mean, some surface-level shit. We've talked about the attention to detail, but you know me, I love a 70s, 80s visualisation of the future. So mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. the monitors are very CRT TV. There's very, like, old-school LED lights for the radar and all that kind of shit. I, I just love yeah. that shit. That's just my personal taste. Yeah. I fucking love it. Um we talked about this a bit already, but I, I love that they're just kind of space truck drivers, a bit like Futurama where they're just delivery guys and get up to zany adventures. So they're not special. I mean, one at least one of them turns out to be special, but, you know, they're, they're just ordinary people. We're in the future where this shit is normal. Space travel is normal. You go to sleep and you show up at the place, you pick up the cargo, you take it back, pretty boring shit until you get a distress call. I also quite like, this is the thing with this kind of movie, and actually I'm curious if for you when you watched it on the flight what you knew going into it, but this kind of movie, it would have been really something to be able to see this without knowing anything. Like the nature of us growing up in the 90s, we're watching this already knowing that Ripley's the main character, which is not obvious in watching this movie the first time. It's not Mm. obvious that she's the one. I hadn't thought of that. She kind of like emerges from the background a little bit. Um, the chest burst would have been, like, I kind of knew that was coming. Like, imagine seeing that for the first time, having no idea and having seen nothing like that ever before. And just the, the whole thing, like, so many movies we've done now, even if we've seen them before and even if we haven't seen them before, you might as well have seen them because so much of it just exists in Simpsons references and shit. Mm. I just, like, I think the beauty of some of my John Carpenter rewatches is that they have kind of lived in a vacuum and I've been blissfully unaware of what they even were. So every time I'm watching these things, it's like mind-blowing. But, yeah, 
I mean, I'm not a time traveler, so I can't really do that. <laughs> um, yet. Yet. The Giga stuff is great. Hey, Ridley Scott is a sir, not a lord. He is a sir. How about that? This just in. Just in. <laughs> I mean, Ridley Scott is an interesting fella because like the range, he's not like a, he's no one trick pony here. There's no, mm-hmm. like he makes this in 1979. His next movie is Blade Runner in 82 and you're like, oh, okay, that's this guy. I know what this guy is. He's, he's a spaceman. He's a futureman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, makes, that makes sense. I got this guy pegged. Then he makes Legend. Yeah. Then he makes Thelma and Louise, G.I. Jane, Gladiator, Hannibal, Black Hawk Down, Matchstick Men, Kingdom of Heaven, Goodyear, Body of Lies, Prometheus, all that. The House of Gucci is just coming out. And The Last Jewel made in the same fucking year, probably a COVID thing, I guess, but just uh, all over. Oh, there's a movie. He made a movie called 1492. Is that the movie you were thinking of, Greg? Yes. It's a Ridley Scott movie. I've never even heard of it. That's so fucking weird. Kidding? That's fucking, that's pretty weird. It's an, it's that's a, pretty weird. It's an anagram. It was always in the video store. Well, there's just, 1942 you know, there's, there's, and there's 1492. What, that's crazy. What? That's a little funny, isn't it? It came out in, it came out in 92. There you go. So that's peak me going to the video store with Nemanja and staring at the wall for two hours on a Saturday night. And there was all these on 1492 and I never, I never rented it. It's like, well, there's so many copies available, but <laughs> that's maybe a bad stand time. here. Yeah. Is there anything? Is T two coming back from anyone from Friday <laughs> night? <laughs> you know how we we endeavour not to just uh, talk to random trivia points. Yeah, and we haven't, and we won't. But we will. It's be. worth. <laughs> we, there is a lot for this film. There's so many. There's like, so much. This film apparently was shot like eighty percent on handicap. Is that? Did you hear that? Oh uh, yeah, and I think Ridley himself was holding percent? the camera and shit because they're running through corridors and shit. Yeah, and he's doing all that. That that's pretty wild, man. If you yeah. think about it, for the time as well, there were big bulky things then too. Oh man, that's that's crazy. The I'm just sort of saying random things in a row now. The O'Bannon. It's called podcasting, sort of, baby. That's what we do. <laughs> the uh, I love hearing about O'Bannon um, and how he was obsessed with the idea of aliens and insects. Insects he was obsessed with when he was young. Oh, right. And did you hear this in that doco in, in memory? I might have missed that part. Yeah, he loved the idea. Of, well, obsessed with the idea of insects and giant insects and. How how they could use a human body for their larvae? Oh right! Oh, because the wasp, the what is it? That wasp that turns other animals into zombies or whatever. Yeah, he yeah, was, that he was into up. all that stuff. Yeah, and so you know, obviously the you know the probably the most famous scene from this film when John Hurt's stomach explodes and the yeah. baby alien comes out and has been using his body as a, you know, to incubate or whatever you call it. Yeah. That was like, that was just these sketchy, he used to sketch that back in the day and was just fascinated with it and then that came to life. It's, oh, it's it's fucked, it's fucked up and wonderful. It's awesome. Yeah. That, that scene was amazing. Like that first little blood spurt, the little pop of blood, yeah. Felt quite real. Like a popping a pimple, you get that first little. 
It's all it's no, it's so it's interesting. Gross. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's gross and wonderful. It's so interesting, like um, you know, it's one of those things where I'm gonna state the obvious how I always say, Wow, the cast casting really makes a difference. In the same way, director really makes a difference because like on paper, you could imagine this being quite a B movie. And you could imagine that scene being like Oh man, that's not, such a good call. Totally. Not as not as artfully done. What does not, Frank, what does Frank Duke say about that? <laughs> it's very astute on your part. I don't know if that's an astute, but I'll take it. But um, you know, it's almost a Roger Corman, a Roger Corman vehicle, perhaps, but it's not. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, it that that scene in particular, it's just. I would. It's not subtle. I'm not going to say it's subtle, but it's done in such a way where it's just so. Um, it's relatively low key for what for what's happening. <laughs> yeah, like the horror is the horror. It's fucking horrible what's happening, and it doesn't need to. I don't know. It's. The way the camera just kind of pans around, everyone's in shock. It catches you off guard. And because, yeah, everyone's comfortable. Everyone thinks everything's back to normal. Uh, Next minute. But, but Greg Carney, I've got to tell you, if, if you're, if you're not tired from drinking beer all day after this, I recommend putting the, getting those headphones linked to the, to the Apple TV, putting on a little Prometheus. Oh, you reckon go Prometheus? Is it on Disney? Yeah. They're all on Disney. Yeah. Because you can my wife won't have a chat. Because you can basically watch Prometheus, Alien Covenant, and Alien as as its own trilogy almost. Oh, I do like it when you when you find Come up with a new trilogy. Yeah. I do like your trilogies. Because despite the name, because the thing is, so uh, Ridley was going quite rogue in Prometheus and making a movie that wasn't really a prequel. It was This was like 2012, so like even the MCU wasn't quite proven out yet. So like the idea of making another movie that exists in the same universe but isn't a direct prequel like didn't really make sense to anyone. Mm-hmm. So he made Prometheus and it did okay. Um, mm. But people were ultimately Who's in that dis- again? Is it Fassbender? No. Uh, yes, sorry, yes. He's in that and Covenant. And... Um, and because people were expecting an alien movie, there was some disappointment. It still has the beats. A lot of people die and it's, you know, cool shit like that happens. But but it's a very different thing in a lot of ways. But then the next one, you can tell by the name, it had to be called Alien, Colon, Covenant. He had to go a bit closer to the mainline series there. But you can kind of ignore that and just go, all right, I'm going to watch a trilogy of Prometheus Covenant, and you could just call Alien Nostromo because all those names are the names of the ships in each movie. So you, Prometheus, Covenant, and Nostromo, the Ridley trilogy, and they're quite good. Oh, that's good. That's good intel, Tristan. Yeah. Um, could you put them all into one word and form an anagram of sorts? Promocovno. Oh, yes, which is Italian, of course, for the trilogy of Alien films directed by... Ridley Scott. Yes, it is. Uh, very cultured. Did you know Giga? Mm. H.R. Giga, beautiful weirdo. Um, uh, you know, as much as we said we're not going to rattle off trivia, here's some trivia for you. <laughs> also was asked to design the Batmobile for Batman Forever. They didn't end up using it. It was too phallic. Wow. But it's wow. quite cool. It was Put too it phallic. Yeah. Speaking of phallic. It was t- what? Hang on, hang on. Sorry, we've got to stay on that for a second. Because it was two penises like this. Yeah. I get, I, I, I get. <laughs> the Batmobile is pretty phallic I get, already. I, yeah, I guess playing a little red where rocket. I'm at, at yeah. the, where I'm at at the moment is that I've never seen a penis car 
quite like the Batmobile. So what car was too penisy for the Batmobile? Can two we... penises. <laughs> that double it was a penises. docking. It, it was a docking scenario. It was like scenario. scissors. It was too oh, like an X. Scissors more of a non-penis scenario. If you that's know true, I mean. it's very inclusive. Maybe it was before its time. He also worked on Species, which makes sense. You think about some of the visuals there; it's a bit geegery. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, he's he's a whole fascinating human in and of himself. He wasn't involved in the second one, apparently. And uh, James Cameron has since apologised for that. But um, I'm sure we'll, we'll probably talk about him again on future Alien films. So Sigourney Weaver, she, like I would say, and we'll probably unpack it more and maybe we'll do other Aliens at, in due course, she, Ripley has got to be one of the most badass female, well, hang on, Ripley is one of the most badass characters yeah, of all time because they were written gender I said neutral. Female, but yeah, but that's not that's not right, right? Is she she's one of the most badass. Period, right? Yeah, period. And I think especially because they're just normal people. Like she's not meant to be a superhero. And uh, yeah, when they wrote the script, all the characters were written genderless. So on the one hand, people say, Whoa. "Oh, that's that's why Ripley was such a strong female character." I didn't know that. Which which is fair point, but also the fact that they cast a female is actually pretty cool. It, you know, I mean, it sounds like I'm giving out a, an award for something not that spectacular, but for the time, I think it is spectacular. Yeah, it but, is spectacular. Um, Even for now, it's it's awesome. And yeah, hey man, she and look, if you've seen Alien, you've probably seen Aliens, and she doesn't slow down. Right. Yeah. Right. She's yeah. she is all time. She's so good. And I, I didn't really I guess and that's she's another scared one. the whole time, like that final scene, like Yeah. You sort of with her, man, you're freaking out, and you're like, how is she like you she's just sort of crumbling by, just just getting by, and then she Yeah straps Oh man, it's good. There's a lot that I probably an overarching point that I failed to mention is just I really forgot a lot of the specifics of this film. Like the and, and her badassery in terms of even just not wanting to let the contaminated person in. Like it's yeah, a big deal, right. man. It's, she huge. was right. She's right. Like She was right. And that's like <laughs> And they're all she's being like all the men are like, nah, shut up. <laughs> like it's, it's fucked it. up. She goes, yeah. Yeah. There's a reason why I'm not letting you on. I know you're the captain, but you're off the ship, so I'm the captain and I can't let you in. She's so good. She's so good. Yeah, one of the greats. And I think, yeah, there is something interesting in the all the roles being written gender neutral. So it doesn't come across as contrived either of like, um, I mean, it's the 70s also, so it's not really pandering or anything. But you know how sometimes it almost it comes across as a little bit forced? Not that it has to be forced to have a strong female character, but you know what I'm saying. Of course. Um, so, yeah, it just very naturally, organically comes across and is wonderful. Yeah. Should we get into the verdict? I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I am the law. I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. What are you waiting for? Ah! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. Nothing further. Your Honor. 
and that's all I have to say about that. This is an interesting one, actually, because I was thinking about it, and we'll obviously get into our um, cultural relevancy test, but just even aside from that, it's almost like this movie is is the perfect example of making a movie that holds up in some of the basics in terms of doesn't overshoot in terms of special effects and that kind of shit. Yeah. It's set in another time that's a little ambiguous, so that kind of makes it timeless. You know, we always say the period things mm-hmm. make it timeless. Can work for or against. Yeah, it's very small in scale, so that, that obviously helps too. And then, and then all the gender shit we just said, it, it, the Bechdel test is often the, the huge disqualifier for a lot of the movies we do. Like those key yep. ingredients, it just they're the movies that make they're the ingredients that make movies timeless. And like this is like the poster child for all of those things. It's kind of crazy. So yes, it holds up. Yeah, um, definitely a rewatch. And I started watching Prometheus. I did watch Prometheus actually this week, and I'm, I might try and watch Alien Covenant if I can convince Zara, but she's probably not going to be interested. Mm, yeah, mm. same. Yeah, <laughs> you could. You don't have to watch it with Ara though. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't work. We have the same. We've spoken about this. We have the same intermarriage dynamics on the on the TV front. Yeah. And so uh, Carol didn't watch this with you, did she? No, I tried yeah. to. I tried to. You know, throw Tristan a bone and give Ara a bit of a when we saw each other last yeah. week, whatever it was. Going, hey, you know, it really helps when you watch the shows with yeah, us. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> didn't, but it didn't work. She had a stressful week, and this is a stressful movie. And I just thought I'm going to let it go. I asked her once, and then I was like, okay, I'll go to the other room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Any love. <laughs> Yeah, this, thing's, um, this, thing's, this, is, this is thing's special. This thing's special. It is, man. It's 100% a rewatch. Uh, did Simpsons do it? Yes, and there's oh a lot. Oh, my goodness. A, a lot of them are visual gags, so I thought maybe I'll just show one that's slightly more audible, which is the episode where Bart takes his dog to school and it gets in the air vents and yeah. Grandskeeper Willie has to get up there. Let's take a listen. Good Lord, it's coming up right behind you. What's it? No, no. Unique moment there where you hear Dan Castellanata's Homer almost coming through in some of those yelps. Well, I guess that happens on you know the when you're doing books. a million voices. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, porn parody. No, I'm sure there's. I don't know if you need porn parodies. You've got all the Giga stuff out there. That's mm, pretty it's, uh, it's sexually charged. It's very erotic. Bechdel test. Yes, we get to do a yes. Yeah, Bechdel says. Is that passed. because of Android or the two girls? The two girls, well, women, Greg. The two women talk. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <Is girls bad? laughs> 
I don't know. I, hmm. I, I don't know. I've, I, there's a few mixed things on that. And again, we're a couple of guys. Fuck. <laughs> we're trying. FX test, big yes. Recast these. I don't think it's really that kind of movie, right? Oh, I, I didn't do them, but you know, you probably could. I mean, they're doing recasties when they make these prequels and whatnot, right? And, and maybe that's the problem because a lot of these people, this was like they weren't that famous yet. They were character yeah. actors and shit. And actually, and to be fair, Prometheus is similar. A lot of them have popped since, but he's Ridley's casting people who were just on the on the fringe at that point, like Idris Elba's mm-hmm. in it, and like, it's people who were about to Is pop. He? Yeah, that's what and, I'd be doing. Should and I? And half be of a them pop. Big yeah. Hollywood Hollywood director. Yeah, story by. One day we're, we're going to be story by men. That's where we'll start. You'll see it in the credits of a movie you didn't enjoy soon. <laughs> you doing your De Niro? Yeah, for no reason. All right, Carol's coming down to eat dinner. Okay, <laughs> All right. I like this movie too. It's a good movie. All right, well, let's wrap it up. Next week, what are we doing? Oh, I think we're doing Christmas movies next week. Maybe Jingle All the Way or something. Or Scrooged. I can't remember. Here's Carol. Where are hey, you? Carol. I'm in a... Whose background is that? Oh, it's Alien. It's Alien. Darling. I was like, did you We're get... still recording. Oh, sorry. <laughs> You said, here's Carol. So I thought you were... <laughs> Carol <laughs> Carney, ladies and gentlemen. All oh, right, let's wrap nice. it up. We'll see you next week with a Christmas movie. <laughs> In the meantime, take care of yourselves and each other. Take care of yourselves and each other. Bye.